This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. It wasn't until the next day that I ended up calling the police because when I woke up at 6 a.m., my phone was still ringing. Like, it never stopped ringing. And, um... I realized like this is not a normal situation. Like this is not somebody that's having a moment and this is not somebody that is just going through something. Like something is really wrong with this person. Hi survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry and this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. Yay, another episode. Another episode. Another episode, a powerful episode. Oh yes. A wild episode. And before we get into our episode today, you had some personal things going on the last couple of weeks. I covered one of the intros for the show. And then do you want to share anything with our audience? So we went to my grandma's funeral yesterday, well, celebration of life. And it was, I think, a very hard day for both of us in different ways. I think you definitely cared about my grandma. I cared about her. And it's really interesting when someone dies, you don't realize how much you have to grieve. Sure. Absolutely. And it just throws a wrench in your life for a minute. Mm -hmm. And your brain is changed. I was very honored to be there. And um, I'm glad your family had me come. You know, I met Orlaine many, many times, and she was always so wonderful and full of life and played the piano amazingly because she was a concert pianist. And, you know, it was wonderful to see so many people show up to the church to support her. And and I was telling my parents, they said, oh, did a lot of people show up for Tara's family? And I said, I said, no, I said, the majority of the people were there for Arlene. They were around her age and they were people that had been impacted through her work through the church and all of the of the charity work that she had done. And so those people were there. And it was really, really wonderful to see the impact is on, you know, when you think about 
I think about mortality a lot, unfortunately. But when you think about like a legacy that you leave, to see so many people show up for her in that way and have these wonderful stories to share about what an impact they made in her life, I thought that was really incredible. And we should all be so lucky to be remembered like that. Yes. And I had to do her obituary, but then I passed it over to you to correct the grammar. Uh, so I ended up writing the obituary, um, but nobody told me that I was writing an obituary. I just thought I was supposed to help you with grammar. This, do you want me to punch this up? And you said, yeah. And so I made it. And it was quite lovely. I had no idea was, that it was actually going to be in anything or anyone was going to actually see it. I thought it was just for a thing. I didn't know. So I kind of just assumed you knew. <laughs> Nope. Don't know a lot about funerals. So uh, just, um, yeah. That is true. Yeah. No. And then I want to share a funny story because the last time we saw my grandma was Christmas. Yes. And my grandma was telling me and you, oh my gosh, I saw you guys in Palm Springs or something. Yes. She said that she had um, saw me. She was driving past in a car and I was walking down the street in Palm Springs. Oh. And she waved at me and you waved at me. And, and that's when she knew that we were all going to meet at some point. I think I've been to Palm Springs once, maybe about 15 years ago. <laughs> that was not. Yes. And I've never been there with my grandma. Yeah. So it was um, it was an interesting story. But your grandmother f suffered from Alzheimer's and late, late stage dementia. And I think a lot of times we think about dementia because I've seen dementia in older people and they live, they're very paranoid. They're very scared. They don't know where they're at. They don't recognize people. And I remember I was telling your mom over Christmas how when she, she was telling us these random stories, they were always happy. They were always wonderful. And she was always very happy and pleasure to be around. And I said, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to have a, a parent or a loved one suffer from that disease, you should be so grateful because my, my dear friend, John, his father suffers from dementia and he gets very scared and he hides. It's so much for the family to be around because it's just, it's painful to watch that happen. And yeah. to see someone who just lived with so much joy and had these absolutely wild stories about their life. And would share this stuff that that you knew that never happened, but they but they believe it happened. It was like, oh, okay. I would much rather hear that. But she was happy. She wasn't scared. She didn't was who is that person? I'm very afraid. And to see her be so happy and have such light in her, I think that's a blessing. Like I think we should all be so lucky to go out that way. I really do. I mean, she was 93. That's a life well lived. And yeah, judging by everyone who showed up for her yesterday, Arlene Palmer. Hart Holmes uh, had a Ambrose life well lived. too. And Ambrose, yeah. <laughs> Arlene Palmer, Ambrose, Hart Holmes had a life well lived. My mom said my grandma had a sense of humor like Betty White. Mm -hmm. So my grandma one day told John that she was with two men last night, her husband. And her husband was like, well, I'm going to get a shotgun. <laughs> yes. And I don't think she was ever with two men at a time. Yeah, I, it's not my business if she was. But <laughs> Thank you for the last Grandma. So moving on, we have uh, our guest today is Aziza Murphy, who has suffered a, a horrific stalking story, and she shares it with us. She was just recently where, Tara? She was at the White House with Lenora Claire and Anna Nassett. Yes, and what were they doing at the White House? They were putting in laws and talking about how they could put laws around stalking. Yeah, and raise awareness on the on the presidential level to really enact change. And I think that's really good. And 
and really important. It's an election year. There's a lot of political things going on, but it's nice to see that something that protects our citizens and people who are victims and survivors and seeing that kind of advocacy. That's that's a good thing. I can't get behind much in Washington, but I can get behind that. No, I can definitely get behind some stalking laws. We need a lot. Yeah. And then another thing about Aziza is that her stalker, but she went viral on social media about her story. And then she was able to get the help that she needed and the resources and had people reach out to her, which is, again, you know, social media is a very convoluted place. But um, when you share stories and you're, you're someone who's struggling, you can find your tribe out there. You can find people who say, like, hey, girl, I've been through it. Let me help you with the resources that I have. And I think that's a really, that's a really wonderful sort of ancillary benefit that comes from social media that we don't think of. You know, it, it can feel very solipsistic in a lot of ways. But to be able to have people come out and, and want to help you and, and help advocate for you and help you take back your life, that's really important and very cool. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm really excited to get into this episode. Yeah, let's get into Aziz's story. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. Tara, there's so many parallels to your story with John and my story with an ex that was a narcissist with the love bombing and then my story with the stalkers. It's just, it's all the same thing. But where does this stand now? What happened to them? So after the FBI arrested him, he had two charges. So I was living in Baltimore County, but I was working in Baltimore City. And so he got charged for breaking into my house in Baltimore County. And then he got charged for, they don't do stalking. They do telephone misuse and, you know, they lower it, um, especially here. Um, so he got charged for telephone misuse in Baltimore City. Um, crazy thing about the, the Baltimore City case, though, the only reason he got charged with telephone misuse is because while the police officer was taking my statement, he started writing the police officer on Instagram because <laughs> because the police what? officer, yes. So the police officer, he was a, a, wow. a courtesy officer for where wow. I worked at. And while he was taking my statement, he started messaging him because he was outside. I called him because he was outside. He started messaging him like, you're the officer that, and that was the only reason I got the charges up so much for Baltimore City was because he was also harassing a police officer in the process. But he ended up getting arrested because of COVID. The court dates kept getting pushed back, back and back and back and back. Um, he got sentenced to six months for breaking into my house. He only had to serve three. He got sentenced to 18 months for um, months later, he got sentenced to 18 months for telephone misuse. And because he was harassing the officer, he only served six. So where we stand right now is he is free. I am not. That's kind of how I feel. Um, I don't really know what he is doing now and, and where he is. I, 
I hope he is not doing this to another person, but I'm not hopeful of that. Has he left you alone for the moment? Yeah, yeah. So I've been left thank alone. Um, yeah, God. yeah. Thank God. But even after everything went viral and, you know, it was picked up by news outlets, he started stalking someone after me. There was somebody that made a call out post after me. So like people with this behavior that habitually like feel the need to, I, I don't even know what it's fueled by, the psychology behind it, control, insecurity, whatever it is. He started stalking someone after me. And, and so I'm not really hopeful that it, it stopped. I'm grateful it stopped for me. But, you know, I just really wanted to get his name out. I really wanted to get his face out. I really wanted to do because if I knew, you know, I would have never been in this situation and interacted with this person. And I just want everyone to know as much as possible so that they can be safe. Well, thank you for sharing that and speaking out because that's so important. And I feel that when you speak out, someone else will find out about this and then they'll be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, not go on a second date with him. And there have been women. So there have been some women that like have reached out to me of like, oh, I was just talking to this person on Hinge or on Tinder. And they're like, you know, we were supposed to meet up, but then they saw my post and they didn't, you know. Oh. So it's people like that of where yeah. I'm grateful that like I could have helped at least one, two people. Or there are other women that didn't specifically interact with him that are going through similar things that are like, thank you for speaking up. Like, how do I proceed from here? And I don't necessarily see myself as an advocate you know like I'm a survivor but like you know I've been thrown into advocacy of where you know I have been helping other women navigate especially black women of where especially in the true crime scene of I don't see a lot of people that look like me that are able to tell, tell their stories in a way that people empathize with so I'm grateful for the people that have reached out to me I mean, also, I'll note that I don't think you see a lot of people that are like you that look like you because they don't get listened to. They don't get heard. Think about the extremes that you had to go to 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 make your voice heard. And it's, it is one thing where stalking is not taken seriously, right? Or, but then it's a whole other thing to be, to look like you and be pleading and saying, look, I, this is what's experiencing. I mean, your poor, your poor mother. I mean, ugh, it breaks my heart just even hearing about her and having to set booby traps in her home. And, and but thank you for. Like, I was like pleading for my life, you know, um, it was so demeaning, like when I talk about it, it was so demeaning, you know, you know, like where already women aren't listened to, um, black women aren't listened to. And I feel like I was trying to convince people of the value of my life of like, like my kids are important. Like I'm important. Like I matter. Like, and I remember just. Hey, movers. Did you know that one in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list? If you're one of them, make 2024 the year you finally check it off with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Designed by over 150 language experts, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are your passport to speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Real people, real conversations, that's the Babbel way. Babbel's tips and tools are not just lessons. They're companions in real-life situations. The approachable, accessible content is delivered through conversation-based teaching, ensuring you're ready to shine in the real world. Before Babbel, I couldn't imagine effortlessly ordering food, asking for directions, or chatting with local merchants, and all without consistently checking a language app while I'm on vacation. But Babbel makes it easy, providing the practical skills you need for real-life scenarios. Struggling with pronunciation? Babbel's got your back with speech recognition technology, helping you perfect your accent and sound like a native speaker in no time. Hola. Hola. Here is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash collier. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash collier, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash collier. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like feeling so embarrassed and and um, just just seeing just the lack of care on every single turn, and I had to make people care. And there are and 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 you guys know like going through something like this, it is draining. It is hard to even just wake up. It is hard to even just like, just do anything. And I had to fight in the middle of this struggle. I had to fight. Um, me and my dad talk about it all the time. Uh, my dad was in Vietnam and we talk about like our PTSD and how similar it is of like where um, I can't sleep. You know, I still like to sleep facing the door just to make sure, you know, like how I have nightmares and how these things just don't go away. Like this is not something that just happened to me. This is something that continuously happens to me and that I'll have to live through and process through and that I'm getting through. So. Yeah, no, it's a consistent battle, (laughs) especially when like you have to keep reliving it and you don't know if he's going to come back. And so I'm just sorry. And what are you doing to keep safe right now? Um, so I joined a program called Safe at Home, um, which Lenore kind of helped me with. Lenore has been helping me with that. Um, I There is something on Experian where you can wipe all of your information off of online that I paid for. Um, I've relocated since then. It is so crazy because I, I, I tell my friends all the time, like, we joke about it. I'm like, I can find anyone in the world because I've had to think that way of, like, how can I get found? And I'm telling my friends, like, no, like, 
don't post when you're out. Don't post frequent places that you go to. Don't tag people. You know, like if you plan on tagging people, like make sure that they don't tag people. Like don't tag me. And I have to think in, in such a way of where even when I had gotten a new job, I was like, I can't post any of these people for my job. I can't post this location. Like I am very, very, very concrete with like what I post and how I interact with the Internet, how I interact with my friends, when I go out, how I go out, making sure that I'm protected and I have whatever I need to protect myself. Um, and so um, that's just kind of how I have to interact now. That's how I have to move. And it's unfortunate, but like other people don't have to think that way. But people like us, we do, you know. Yeah. Well, I fortunately don't have to think that way anymore, but I can very much relate to how you have to live right now because there was such eerie similarities between this guy and John. Like, uh, just a lot of the things that you were saying, like, people don't get that John actually was paying for dinners and stuff at first like he was love bombing my mom he was getting her stuff like he was he was doting on her he wasn't just like smooching off her right off the bat you know and then like we went to the police so many times and it's just it sucks when you're not listened to because you're like wait what but i'm happy that they ended up listening to you in a sense yeah yeah um yeah it was, it was, it was like, um, I, I, I remember like the day they started listening to me, like, like when everything went viral and it was picked up on like the shade room or like those viral, you know, internet, um, sites of where the police that were hanging up on me, I was getting hung up on by the police because that was like my daily job of like calling them and being like, what are you guys doing about this? And I remember them calling me back. They were face. They were like message, like calling me on Instagram. The police were calling me on Instagram. Like, what can we do? Like, we're trying to contact you. Like, like it was like a big change from how they were looking at me as just another person to like, like, oh wow, like we have to like really handle this with care, which they should with everyone. And I have such survivor's guilt. You know, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but like my survivor's guilt of like, I was able to make people listen to me, but there are some people that don't have the energy and that like, can't, like, can't. And, and what do they do? How do they survive? If, if people didn't donate money to me, I would have never been able to move and I probably would have been dead right now, you know, like. Like, I have survivor's guilt about that. And so the only thing I can do is, like, speak up and, and, and I guess, tell my story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like you said, those people reaching out to you saying, hey, I, I met them on Tinder. Now I know who this is. Like, you, you're saving lives by just speaking up and you're you're making an impact. And that's incredible. No, and I think that it's incredible when you speak up because 
if you don't speak up, unfortunately, people don't reach out. The police don't reach out to you sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that is such a big thing is that you have to use your voice. And I'm so proud of you for using your voice right now. Well, thank you. It's it's definitely hard. Like, I, I tell people all the time because, you know, it's really hard meeting new people because new people that don't know, like, what I've gone through and weren't with me are kind of like, just like, you need to heal from this. And I'm like, <laughs> um, I, like, like I'm healing every day, but it's, it's, it's something that is still pretty much open for me. And I don't know how long it'll be open for me. I don't know how long I'll be going through this. I don't know how long, you know, as long as he is alive and out and free, I don't know what will happen. And it's really hard to really just like, heal from this um but I like to tell people that like the process be gentle on yourself in the process I am trying to take my own advice and be gentle on myself um because it's hard you know like I have really really bad anxiety and sorry it's understandable I (laughs) I have really bad anxiety I, I'd never struggled with this before. I was always the first person to get on a roller coaster. I was the first person to go through the haunted house. I would go through by myself. That was always me. And now I'm afraid of everything. You know, when you have somebody telling you every day that they're going to kill you, you have to be confronted with death. And you think about death a lot that I'm like terrified of everything. And it affects my relationships. It affects my jobs, how I interact with my family. And, you know, like, I hate that this person took me away from my children for three years because I'm not the same mom that I was before. Like, I'm not the same fun mom that can just, we're just going out, we're just having fun, we're just posting on Instagram, we're just out. I'm not the same mom, um, you know, and I hate that. But, I do think that things happen for a reason and not in the like, everything happens for a reason and you're supposed to go through. But I do think for me personally that um, there's a reason for me going through this and I think that it's because I am strong enough to overcome it. So that's what I'm holding on to. Yeah. And I just have to say, even though, you know, you had to change that role as a mother, you changed that role because it was necessary and your kids will appreciate that and respect you for that because they'll be like, oh, mom had to turn into a badass because she had to protect us. <laughs> I think, you know, what's crazy is like <laughs> my kids, like they're getting older now. So they're like on YouTube and they're like, you know, looking at videos and like people have done like true crime videos about me which is so bizarre it's like bizarre to see yeah it's like it's like it's not even you like i watch these videos and i'm like am i dead like this is like oh yeah it's it's like insane right like (laughs) oh yeah i can't even comprehend it um and so one of the videos popped up on his like for you and he was kind of like started watching it and he's like mom like what's like, what is this? Like, why are you on YouTube? And I couldn't fully explain it to him because he's about to turn eight. Um, eight. Oh, 
Yeah, he's about he to turn. He doesn't need to know about this. He doesn't, he doesn't need to know about it. And at that time, what? He was like, what, six and five? He was at five and my son was three. And um, I told him, all I told my sons was someone was trying to hurt mommy, but I put them in jail. And my oldest son, who's the sweet one, was like, I mean, they're both sweet, but he was like, I'm very proud of you. But my youngest was like, why didn't you just punch him in the face? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm sorry. I love that. Oh. I was like, you know what? I should have. Sometimes the, in Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is the best. Yes. I was like, you're right. He was like, why didn't you just hit him? I was like, you know what? That that was a good. That was that was a good suggestion. Next time, I was like, for next time, I know what to do. Thank you, son. Um, Kids are perceptive. They are. They, they definitely are. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I wish that your kids could meet my nieces and nephews. Oh, my God. Because I bet they would have a lot of stuff to talk about. They would. Oh, my God. My kids can talk, too. They can talk forever. So, no. So, they probably get along very well. They'd be like, oh, all these YouTube videos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yay. My niece is not allowed to watch, uh, like, certain YouTube videos. She's only allowed to watch makeup YouTube videos. Aww. But she came across someone that used my audio one day. <laughs> <sighs> and that's the thing about being, like, on social media of, like, I'm just, like, you know, I don't know how old your niece is, but, like, it's, like, as they get older, how do I explain to them, like, what I went through? Like, how do I explain to them what they went through? Because I'm pretty sure they don't fully understand it. You know, they just saw their mommy crying and they saw, like, a change. And we had to leave a house with a yard to live in a small apartment. You know, like, they just saw those changes. And, like, I'm hoping that one day... And they're empathetic kids. I know they will understand. But, like, I'm hoping that one day I'll be able to explain to them exactly what happened. And I'm praying that they are very understanding and and loving about it because it was definitely rough on all of us. Well, I think as long as you're having conversations in a way that, like, builds that bond... I think it's good. I, I mean, I don't have kids, so I can't really say anything. And, you know, kids are unpredictable with anything. But I, I'm i hoping and I think that it will be the best outcome later on, you know? Yeah. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Aziza, can I make a suggestion on what you can tell your children? Just because I was a child, you know, who grew up in, in this type of thing. You need to say, son, it was the pandemic and people were acting <laughs> Crazy. That's all you need to know. The whole world was off its rocker. That's all you need to know. There was no toilet paper. There was no water. There was no common sense. (laughs) There was no hand sanitizer. Like, what were we supposed to do? But be crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the summer of 2020. Yeah, like, I'll I'll tell those stories and and hopefully they'll understand. Exactly. Um, I think this is a great way to leave this. Um, Aziza, where is, I mean, I, I asked this, but you can also say absolutely not, but 
where can our audience find you or um, like your social media if they need to reach out, if they've got a similar story and they want to ask, you know, yeah. So I'm very open um, on Instagram is cured underscore by the blood. Um, on Twitter, it's just cured by the blood. Um, so definitely reach out. I'm very responsive. I would love to help anyone as best as I can. Any, if you just need emotional support, I'm here. I will listen to you and I will understand. So reach out to me, you know, if, if you feel called to it. That's fantastic. I, that. I always tell Tara, I say, we're all part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of, <laughs> but we're all a part of the survivor squad. Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Aziza Murphy, thank you so much for joining the program. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and we're glad you so you're much. here. We're yes. glad you're here. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. On that note, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad Podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.